I promise I didn't do this on purpose, but this has seriously been my favorite reading of the entire summer. I have saved the best for last. Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and I'm sure for some of you, the idea of this being the best for last seems surprising because this has been a very good series so far. But trust me, I didn't do this on purpose. I have used the book I've been reading and I just followed it and it just goes chronologically throughout Bonhoeffer's ministry life and it just so happens we got here to the very end of the series the very end of his life and oh my word this at least for me this is the one that has made me the most excited to sit down and talk about what it means to tell the truth so For all of you who are inquiring, this is the final episode of Bonhoeffer's Theology Proper. Next week, we're going to do a movie review of one of the movies based on his life. I believe it's called Agent of Grace. We're going to be I'm going to be reviewing that. Hopefully, my wife, Claire, will be on the episode along with me. But this is the last episode of his theology theological writings for this series one more episode still of the summer of Bonhoeffer and then we will be transitioning into our next series ancient Greece which I am welcoming the change of pace but I I like many of you am ready to move on to a new series but man this has just been so good such a good use of the summer diving into the works of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So for one last time here, before we have more of a for fun episode next week, let's do a little a little historical context, a little historical setup to get us into our current conversation on what it means to tell the truth. So in April of April 5th of 1945, Bonhoeffer was arrested for being a conspirator in an attempt to overthrow the Nazis. He was killed for his crimes on April 9th, 1945. So he was arrested in 1943, two years, almost to the day, he was killed for being a conspirator in Valkyrie. Project Valkyrie. I think Tom Cruise is in a movie on that. On September 2nd, 1945, World War II ends. So just to kind of give you the idea of this, you know, Pastor Will and I talked about that what-if scenario, what if Bonhoeffer would have lived to see the end of the war. He really did just miss it by a few months. But during that two-year time in prison, he stayed busy It's interesting to me that when you throw a theologian in prison, how active they become and continue to be. Paul wrote a number of his epistles from prison. You have uh, letters from a Birmingham prison written by uh, the letters written by Martin, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And then you have Bonhoeffer, who, even though for the next two years of his life, the last two years of his life, he was bouncing around prison, from prison to prison, to uh, concentration camp, to 
prison. Like he was, he was moved around quite frequently. He still wrote quite a bit. And many of these writings are collected in a book. I believe it is called Letters from Prison that are letters and unfinished essays that he wrote while in prison. And in this case, what we have here today is an unfinished essay on what makes speech true. What is it? How is it when we speak, do our words become true? Essentially, he used his imprisonment and being interrogated as a case study to understand what it means to speak the truth. He had worked on this a little bit in ethics, and now he's using his own real life, very high stakes situation as a case study to work out this idea of what does it mean to tell the truth. Now, I know on the on the setup, this sounds like a very heavy topic. What does it mean to tell the truth? When you start talking about like the essence of truth and how to convey that, things suddenly take a very heavy turn. But trust me on this, we're nowhere near the heaviness of last week's episode on natural life. I was so confused. This one, <laughs> this week, Bonhoeffer starts at possibly the absolute most relatable place that all of us have been in, childhood. And he talks about, at the beginning of his short essay, as children, we are taught to tell the truth. This is something that we are all taught at a very young age. Very few of us are taught to lie. Most of us are taught to tell the, tr- the truth. What Bonhoeffer observes, though, is that the expectation on the child to be truthful to the parents is different from the expectation of the parents to be truthful to the child. The relationship dynamic does not demand absolute speaking of truth between the parent and the child, but it is expected that the child will lay bare everything that is going on in their life. And if you don't believe me, let's just start with Santa for a second. Some of you, (laughs) and it's fine if you do, I grew up with Santa Claus. Some of you have continued, or for a period of time, told your children, told your child, that Santa is real. If your child told you that an imaginary person was breaking in to leave presents without the concept of Santa Claus, you probably would tell them to stop lying. But because adults are already in on it, we teach our children a lie. We don't tell them the truth about Santa Claus until they're much older or some of you spoil all of the fun right off the bat. Bonhoeffer therefore Bonhoeffer therefore builds this argument from this example of how the relationship of telling the truth is different between a child and a parent and a parent and a child to show that relationship between the individuals dictates 
the truth that is communicated. Your relationship and my relationship dictates the truth of the conversation. Telling the truth, Bonhoeffer writes, is dependent on who you are in relation to the person you are speaking with. Now, let's just take a second already. This is only a paragraph, folks. In one paragraph, we have gotten a lot. So let's just pause for a second and think about, digest a little bit what Bonhoeffer is saying, or at least what I think he is saying. Four things came to mind immediately as I was thinking through this idea of how our how our relation to each other dictates the truthfulness of our converse of our speech so here are four of my thoughts already right off the bat about this first off Bonhoeffer and we're going to see this as he works out his thoughts further Bonhoeffer is not saying that truth is relative what he is saying is that the person i am talking to is truth is not relative he's not arguing for a postmodern approach to truth where what's true for you doesn't have to be true for me and vice versa but who i am speaking to is relevant to the conversation of the truthfulness that i am speaking Second thought, uh, I would say uh, this is a term that is more modern, but Bonhoeffer seems to be arguing for boundaries, okay? Some Christians work in this framework, and we're going to talk about this more in a second, of no boundaries. Life is an open book. You can, you can say, they will say whatever to you, and you can say whatever you want to them. Bonhoeffer, though, seems to be going more of the other direction, the boundaries route, that there is a limit depending on the person, depending on the person, there is a limit to what is being communicated to that individual. So truth is not relative, but the person is, and that person then will fall into a certain framework of boundaries. More on that in a moment, actually. Three, to the other group then, the, you might call this the authentic community group. There have been, I've been in some of these groups where authentic community is being able to say and expected to receive any comment at any time. And that is not what Bonhoeffer is saying here. If anything, we need to go back to life together, right? Because we looked at in life together that when it comes to confession, you should not make confession an obsession. And not one person, not one individual person should be bearing the confessions of everybody in the group. On a similar point... Living in community with one another does not mean that you are open and honest and absolutely vulnerable with everybody around you. But again, more on that here in a second. 
Fourth and finally, the fourth thought that came to mind, and this is actually going to be a reflection I'm going to have throughout this episode. This whole episode, in a way, is a is a culturally relative relevant moment because number four, stop oversharing on social media. If the relationship with the person I am speaking to matters in the communication of truth to them, then some of us need to stop sharing so much on social media. We, <laughs> I'm not perfect. This used, I used to be that person who would post giant, huge, unfiltered comments, typically about my mental, mental health status. What finally broke me of this habit, though, was that there was one time, guess when, that's right, 2020, when I finally had my big mental breakdown of the summer of 2020, and I had this really long, drawn-out post on social media for anybody, for everyone to see. And I had all these likes and all these hearts and all these carings or whatever that face emoji is supposed to be. I had all these comments and then when the notifications finally died down, I just happened to glance at the clock and it had literally been 15 minutes, like almost on the dot folks. I had my 15 minutes of fame and then everybody kept scrolling. Sometimes social media is not the best place to word dump, to vomit. And we're going to understand why more here in a moment as we continue on with Bonhoeffer's words here. But to vomit all over social media with every little nitty-gritty of your life isn't healthy. And in Bonhoeffer's framework, as we're going to see here, isn't actually truth. It's not actually speaking the truth to just word vomit all over the place on social media or to other people. We'll understand this more in a moment. So, regaining now, regaining, rejoining now, Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer warns against what he calls living truth or in what we would call post postmodern approach to truth okay he calls it living truth as if not like the word of god is living and active but living truth as in truth can grow and change a postmodern approach to truth uh he also argues against a cynical approach to speaking truth and by a cynical approach i mean this like um what he means is this um this authentic community, I'm just going to say whatever to whoever and anyone can say whatever they want to me. That like no boundaries approach to tr- to speaking truth, to being vulnerable and honest with one another. He's not saying, he, or he is not saying postmodern approach to truth is right. He is not saying that you should just word vomit all over the place. Neither one of these approaches is the way that we are to take. When it comes to speaking truth, Bonhoeffer says we need to think in terms of radiuses. I would say 
if that's a little too abstract for you, think of like a dartboard, okay? And you have like the rings going outward and the bullseye in the middle with the most amount of points and you got like the further out you go the different point value we're supposed to think of our our personal lives of of truth telling in that form of of those circles those radiuses with he specifically names off home and public life being the two main radiuses in the home you ideally should be able to be as open and as honest and as truthful as you can be with the people nearest and dearest and closest to you but when it comes to people on the the further out you go then from the radius to cross the streams so to speak to say anything anywhere all at once all of the time whichever pop culture reference you like more to just ha- be unfiltered and disregard the boundaries, the radiuses, then our words cease to carry weight and become chatter and lose meaning. This comes back to the social media dilemma. that Because in social media... We have this, we have people who overshare everything and build an entire content platform based off of oversharing every little nitty gritty detail of their life. That's not how we're supposed to operate. We have specific realms. I usually use the word realms. I don't know. Maybe it's a geeky thing about me. We have these realms, radiuses, boundaries where the people in this group can get a more unfiltered Brandon, whereas the people in another group or the next group over can get not a different version of Brandon, but maybe not the whole story or maybe a certain part of me all the way to complete strangers on the street that like. I don't need to be word dumping about my therapy session that I just got out of to some rando on the street. But for many of us, that's how we treat social media. We treat it as a boundlessness, no boundaries, no radius circles. We just share everything out there. Coming back now to this idea, though, that when we cross the radiuses when we disregard the boundaries and our words turn to chatter and they lose their weight and become meaningless this reminds me for the third time now of something c.s lewis wrote who would have thought c.s lewis was going to come up so much in this series i guess it's inevitable with me but i even like just made sure I could get it all out in one episode. And here we are now, third time I'm bringing up C.S. Lewis, but what are you going to do? You should come to expect such things from me. C.S. Lewis writes, I think it's in the weight of glory. He talks about how we have been building men without chess. Have you ever heard that expression before from C.S. Lewis, men without chess? For some people, maybe those of a little bit, more conservative mindset and bent 
they take this idea of raising men without chess to mean well kind of like what lucky dad's what lucky's dad said in that one episode of bluey we're raising a nation of squibs that to build men without chess means that we're building soft men who you know don't lead and you know they don't take control in their home and all those other nice pleasant very conservative forms of toxic masculinity you know what i'm talking about what do i know i'm a beta male by tox by alpha male standards i am definitely a beta male so what do i know i'm just complaining and being a jerk right now i wanted to say a different word but i try to keep the podcast language clean on here anyway but when you look at the context of what c.s lewis is saying in this when he's talking about building men without chess he's not talking about you know we need to like you know, what do you call that? Not hazing, not haze men, but we need to like, you know, have a rite of passage and an initiation. And he's not saying any of those things of like, you need to build boys into men through trials and tribulations. No, what he's actually talking about is how at that time there was a devaluing of written word and what written words, the power of, that is communicated through written words. It was this whole ordeal about books at that time. And this was, and Lewis is saying that, you know, when we don't value good books, good reading, and we devalue words, we're building men without chess. We the Men need a good education. Men need to be well-read to be men, to have strong chess. So ironically now, our two favorite, Luth, uh, two, not Lutheran, C.S. Lewis is Anglican. Um, our two favorite World War II theologians are both in this place of we need to value the power communicated through our words, either verbally or written, or as Bonhoeffer is going to talk about here in a moment, in our silence as well. So if truth telling is a little bit more dependent upon the relationship I have with the person I am speaking to in the radius boundary that we are in, what then do we make of lying? What then is lying? Because I thought not sharing the whole truth with somebody was still a lie. The essence of lying, as Bonhoeffer writes, is deeper than the contradiction of thought and speech. Yet it is separate Yes, excuse me. Yet it is inadequate to say that the person behind the words makes it a truth or a lie. So it's not so much that I make something truthful or I make something a lie. That's not quite adequate. That's not adequate enough to say. And it's not just like the contradiction of what I'm thinking versus what I'm saying. For Bonhoeffer, what makes something a lie? He starts with our verse of the day, which is 1 John 2.22. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. First and foremost, according to Bonhoeffer, a lie is a denial of Jesus and God within the world. Lying is a contradiction to the, tr to the word of God 
and the word that created all things. Therefore, to speak the truth would imply communicating the word of God, speaking the word of God, and to speaking along the word that has created all things. In other words, to speak the truth is life-giving, and to lie is to cause destruction. It is to deny Jesus, deny God, deny the word of God, deny the word that created all things, and therefore to bring about destruction. Maybe an example, not from Bonhoeffer, but from me, that's kind of a low-hanging fruit to explain what I just said. Lying or keeping silent about an affair. Lying to cover your tracks or not communicating the whole truth to your spouse in the case of an affair can and will cause destruction to your relationship with your spouse, any children you might have, the person you're having an affair with, a job. It it could continue to cause destruction. So now that we have a better grasp through Bonhoeffer of what he is saying, what lying is, let's just take a moment and circle back around to those cynics that he talked about briefly earlier. Cynics, for their words to be true, in eh, cynics will work to make sure that their words are true uh, in any t- context, therefore making them untrue. Cynics will shove and talk and shove their perspective, their thoughts, towards anyone who will listen, whether they want to listen or not. Because what they have to say matters so much in their minds. Nuance, context, these things don't matter. The communication of this truth has to be shared. And in Bonhoeffer's ethical framework that we have here, to shove truth down someone's throat is actually to speak something untrue because to disregard context, nuance, things like that, it is still causing harm and destruction. No matter how no matter how much the cynical person thinks that they are doing the right thing in this situation, no matter how much they think that this matters more than anything else. What they are doing is actually harmful. So, so let's review. Bonhoeffer does a nice little review for us here at the very near the very end of his writing. Three points. My words are true. When number one, by recognizing who calls on me to speak, and what authorizes me to speak. So when I see who is speaking to me. And I understand who is authorizing me to speak. This plays a role in how I speak the truth to them. Number two, recognize the place I stand. Recognize your relationship. Recognize your authority in this situation. Again, going all the way back to the beginning with the relationship of a child to a parent telling the truth versus a parent to a child. And number three, putting the subject I'm speaking about in context. 
So your relationship with the person, your place in the conversation, who authorizes you to speak, and speaking in a way that is fitting of the context you are in, when you follow this path, you are speaking the truth to another person. Interesting. Whoever speaks, this is a direct quote from Bonhoeffer. Whoever speaks without authorization or without <laughs> without being called upon is a windbag. That is a direct quote. Whoever speaks without authorization or without being called upon is a windbag. He literally used whatever the German word for windbag is. That would be like me going around writing a... That would be like me sitting down to write a short essay about why Theo bros are actually toxic towards Christianity. And at one point, I called them a bunch of slap nuts or spoot heads. Like, he literally called people who speak without authorization or without being called upon as a windbag. I didn't think I could like Bonhoeffer more, and I was already really enjoying this reading. And then he did that. God, I love this man. The justification for speech always lies within the boundaries of the concrete office that I fill. If these boundaries are crossed and words become intrusive the words become intrusive arrogant and harmful whether it's scolding or praising the justification for speech always lies within boundaries folks i know it kind of for some of us it may feel a little bit icky maybe a little bit too close to pop culture christianity but there actually is value in establishing boundaries and keeping with those boundaries. And to cross those boundaries, whether you're crossing them or someone is crossing a boundary to speak to you, those words become intrusive, arrogant, and harmful, whether it was intentionally scolding or praise. We need to work within the framework of boundaries. And I know this may seem very surprising coming from somebody who just a month ago we established spent a lot of time thinking, contemplating, and living out authentic Christian community that he's also now going to say, but boundaries are still healthy. But what's cool about that in my own thinking right now is that Bonhoeffer is providing the check to his own balance or the balance to his own check. Okay. I hope you know what I'm trying to say here that he is a champion. Don't get me wrong. He is a champion for community. But here, what we see is that he is also a champion for speaking the truth, for telling the truth in a healthy life giving way. And in order for that to happen, we need to operate with boundaries. 
Now, throughout this, we have I've been coming back to the example of social media. I think some of you may know that I kind of have this weird love-hate relationship with social media. Social media is great for podcast marketing and, you know, building a platform. And it's good. Social media has been nice because with my kid, with my kid, you know, this is a place where family and friends can see pictures, get updates, you know, good, healthy stuff like that. But more and more, I feel like an old man. I really do. I'm not even, I'm just shy of turning 30, turn 30 next year. But I, I'm starting to feel kind of old in certain ways. And I really think this is because I spend a lot of time metaphorically in a hobbit hole. You know, I, I really think there's been a lot of times where Tolkien was right that we should be living the quiet, simple life enjoying the good blessings that God has given us. And the thing is, though, that nowadays when you talk like that and you look at something like technology, specifically the Internet and social media, when you start talking that way and talking very skeptical of it and and AI, Terminators preaching in the pulpit, that this then makes you like this old fussy person who is going to stay behind of the times. And you don't even have to go back very far. You go back a year here on the show. You will hear me talk about the importance of, um, you know, building a digital ministry for a home church, or really you can even go back just a couple months where I talked about this in the review of uh, ministering in the postmodern church. But, I just see social media more and more in the internet. I'm thankful for all the medical advances we've had, but it's the internet and social media and this whole AI thing that I did not sign up for that is making me feel like an old fussy man. And it's really these things that make me want to go just spend the rest of my days in my hobbit hole, drinking my tea and eating my toast with butter and jam and those really thick pieces of bacon they were cooking in that one scene. I don't, anyway, because to me, this all gives us a lot of illusions. I shared a meme recently of this, how this gives us this illusion of omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence. And I know this is kind of like hypocrisy, coming from a guy whose podcast can be streamed all around the world. Yes, a lot of you here in the United States listen to the show, but I see you people in Singapore. I look at the statistics and I know that for some amazing reason, there's a whole bunch of you in Singapore also listening to the show. Shout out to you all. You're great people. You have great taste. Anyway, but this like this gives us... Uh, an illusion of a power that is godlike that maybe we're not supposed to have obviously pandora's box has been opened already and now we have to try and shove everything back in and that doesn't work out too well but all that to say this is an illusion that's very this is something that i'm wondering if it's an illusion based off of 
what we looked at today from Bonhoeffer? Is it an illusion of an invitation to speak when Facebook asks, what's, what's on your mind? So Bonhoeffer said that when we are invited and authorized to speak, that is one of the major parts of what it means to tell the truth. When we are invited to talk, when we are asked something, when we're invited to share our opinion, this is the beginning stages of speaking the truth. Isn't an illusion of being invited to speak the truth when you go on Facebook and when you go to post something, the words that's in the little box before you start, start typing is, what's on your mind? Is that an illusion of an invitation to speak? Or in that case, should we still keep quiet? Do we have to share everything? And the fellow, my fellow content creators who listen to this show, I think know exactly what I'm talking about here when I say that a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of us making shows and TikToks and reels and streaming and blah, blah, blah. And at some point, it all just becomes clatter. It all just becomes this big existential angst of shouting into the bottomless void and hoping that somebody hears. And I'm very thankful that some of you have heard and have come to listen. I'm thankful that you all listen, that you heard the shouting into the void and you came running or limping, depending on your situation, I guess. But when it comes to just you, when you move outside of like content creating, there's already so much noise out there. When we just are posting every little thing, sharing, resharing, re Xing, whatever it's called on what was formerly known as Twitter, when we're just constantly posting and sharing things, is that an illusion to be invited to speak just because some empty box? has a prompt that says, what's on your mind? Another question, and I, I don't have an answer, honestly. <laughs> Reach out, email seminarylife at gmail.com if, uh, if you have an answer to that question. Another thought, and maybe, maybe a thought to try and end this a little bit on a positive note. Can social media reside in its own radius without blurring it into other ones so we can tell the truth. Is there a way to use our social media with a specific radius in mind so we can tell the truth? Because the oversharing, the just like every little nitty gritty detail of our lives, I would say is a violation of this ethical framework that Bonhoeffer is working with where we're disregarding radiuses and speaking to everybody about everything equally that that's that's actually untruthful and actually harmful to everyone involved but instead is there a way that we can use social media as a way to keep it within a specific radius and therefore begin to use it as a way to speak truth. I think it's possible. 
But I think in order for it to be possible, some of us are going to have to break some nasty habits of how we use social media in order for it to work. But those are just my thoughts as we wrap up today's episode. And let's go ahead and do that now. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all so much for coming with me this summer on the journey, the summer of Bonhoeffer. It's been long, but it's been good. It's been a lot of fun. And I'm excited to do this again. Bonhoeffer will be back. It's like an end credit scene in a Marvel movie. Bonhoeffer will return. You'll have to wait and see when and how for another time. If you really, 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 really enjoyed this episode, then please consider going on over to the buy me a coffee, buymeacoffee.com slash MSL pod and leave the show a little, a little something, something, a little, little tip. The money helps um, continue to produce great quality content and maybe also get me a cup of coffee because I'm an exhausted parent all of the time. There's also, if you're not, if you're looking for more of a consistent way to support the show, we do have membership tiers over there as well. And for everybody who supports the show at $9 a month, you get access to exclusive posts and polls and you get a shout out here on the show. So thanks Lori for supporting the show. Appreciate you so much. There's also a $5 a month tier if nine bucks is a little too much for you, where you get access to at least those posts and polls. But if you want that sweet, juicy shout out, like everybody does, that's going to cost you a little bit. Sorry. It's nothing personal. It's just business. Okay. I'll stop now. Uh, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't yet already go into the description of this episode, find links to all of the important things only a week left on the, uh, summer sale. So head on over to the shop to, uh, get a little discount at checkout. Use promo code Bonhoeffer to get that uh, little discount there at the end. And that's it. Share this episode with someone that you think needs to stop sharing so much on social media. I know normally I go nicer about this, but seriously, if you need someone to understand that they're sharing too much on social media, please give them this post, this video this gosh dang it this podcast episode i shared this recently on facebook and instagram but i think i'm gonna bring it back up again because it's kind of relevant last year i preached a message out of john 25 on is it always right to speak the truth that is the question that i'm wrestling with in this sermon. So I, I think I'm going to share that again here. If this whole conversation about truth and communicating truth, um, this sermon focuses a little bit more on the importance of nuance and understanding the other person when you're sharing truth to them. So if this is something important to you, something that you're wrestling with, I'm going to share that so you can go back and listen to it again. Um, I would say that maybe there's some things I would change from the sermon in light of what we talked about today, but overall, it's still a good message on the importance of nuance when we are communicating truth to each other. And that's all, folks. We'll see you next week for a little movie review. So until next time, this is Brandon Knight shining, signing off, reminding you as always that theology is for everyone. So keep on studying.